How's it going, everybody? Guess what? The MMA frequency is back. Yippee! I took a little time off. I got a little busy with real-life work and other affairs as well. The UFC dropped several cards versus worth of absolute stinkers in the month of September, so I was not really interested in taking the time it takes to develop content for fights that I was just uh, not interested in. But I'll do you guys the Cliff Notes version of what's been going on since I came back. Hamza Chamaya floated to another win at UFC 279. Nick Diaz exited, oh, Nate Diaz exited the company by submitting the bloated corpse of Tony Ferguson at exactly 209 in the fourth round. So that's cool, I guess. Good for Nate Diaz. I hope he boxes Jake Paul or something equivalently stupid. Go fly free, my boy. Uh, Corey Sanhagen punched a hole in Song Yidong's head so big their fight had to be stopped. Ouch! Uh, college wrestling phenom Bo Nacal signed a UFC contract. He cleaned the slate on the Contender Series, which literally just exists at this point. I think it's like a money laundering venture. I'm not sure. Uh, they had him fight twice, even though he annihilated the first guy he fought I think just to juice juice gambling money that, that changes hands during the contender series but that's a conspiracy theory for another episode uh Yan Janan got a close decision win over Mackenzie Dern and then Alexa Grasso also just completely blew out Vivian Araujo in two cards that were booked very very poorly but while all of that was very, very fun and very, very interesting, uh, I've been hit by the light bulb going off, the flash of motivation in my soul to cover UFC 280, which is shaping up to be uh, one of the best shows they've put on in some months. Some months. So uh, I don't think there's any truly relevant news going on. So... I'm going to say, we can just jump right into it here. Undercard is pretty strong as well, the prelims. Uh, Muhammad Mokayev, really, really good flyweight. He just debuted. Probably going <laughs> to spank Malcolm Gordon. A couple of other fights on the main card I don't really care about. Uh, Abubakar Nurmagomedov is fighting. He is obviously a member of... Team Habib, he trained under uh, Habib's dad. Habib's probably going to be cornering him and Islam tonight, or Saturday night. Uh, he's fighting Godzi or Mugzaev, so probably going to crush. But all of uh, those things I don't really care about. Let's get into some actual fights. Uh, Nikita Krylov is fighting Vulcan Oezdemir. Nikita Krylov, really, really interesting career because he signed with the UFC in like, 2014 or 2015 and had a really really good record in his original stint in the company uh he's ukrainian so he had to commute back and forth between america and ukraine which obviously kind of sucked for like training and stuff so after his first contract expired he didn't renew it and he was like i'm gonna go back to ukraine i'm gonna develop the martial arts game in my home country and he came back and he has not exactly been setting the world on fire Came back, I think, in 2019 or 2020. He's three and four in his last seven fights. And he's fighting Vulcan Oestemir, another light heavyweight who is uh, also three and four in his last seven fights. 
of Walking Westmere. If anybody's listening to this podcast and is just getting into MMA for the first time, uh, at this point, he is really like ancient history. Uh, back in uh, about 2018 or so, uh, when he f- just joined up with a company, he was knocking dudes out left and right. It's nicknamed No Time. Because there's, get it? There's no time in the octagon. He's going to knock you out. Aha, very funny. Uh, got a title shot. After three or four wins, and he faced off against Daniel Cormier, who was the light heavyweight champion at the time, which is once again a whole different basket of eggs if we wanted to cover it. But Cormier beat the ever living shit out of him, dog walked him around the octagon, uh, submitted him, and then he dropped a couple of fights, and it's never, never really been the same since. Uh, picked up one or two knockouts here and there, I think, but has been very. Boring in the octagon, very hesitant to pull the trigger, looks very basic. Uh, both of these guys appear to not really be what they weren't, what they once were. But the good thing about MMA is that somebody has to win, unless it's a draw, unless these guys uh, somehow have the first ten ten round in U- UFC history. But somebody has to win, so one of these guys is going to at least get to a five hundred record. Maybe Vulcan's going to rediscover some of that old no-time power. Or maybe he won't. Uh, another fight on the card is Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady. This is the prelim opener. The bane of my fucking existence, Bilal Muhammad, is fighting Sean Brady. who's a surging prospect in the welterweight division. Uh, picked up a couple of really, really good wins recently. At least good for the welterweight division. Beat uh, Michael Chiesa and a couple other guys. Uh, and I, Sean's really talented. I think he has what it takes to win. Because as much as I hate Bilal Muhammad, he's really, really good. But uh, it's also entirely possible that Bilal goes 14 out of 16 on takedowns. And Sean keeps getting up over and over again. And Bilal keeps taking him down uh, with... 50 total strikes thrown, and then uh, maybe Bilal gets him down and lays on him for the entirety of the third round and wins the fight. That's also entirely possible. So exciting. So fun. Hooray. I'm so excited for Bilal Muhammad versus Leon Edwards too. Hooray. I'm not excited. Uh... On to the main card, though. A couple of really, really banging fights on here. Uh, Caitlin Chukagian is fighting Manon Fioro. Manon Fioro? Uh, she's French. Uh, I probably just completely butchered her pronunciation. Sorry, French people. Actually, I'm not sorry, French people. Oh, we, oui, oui, oh, we are so mad. You, oh, you mispronounce. Oh, the baguette, you mispronounce her name. Yeah, shut up. Uh, Chukagian. Came in overweight for this fight, uh, two and a half pounds, so it's a catchweight fight. And uh, Kaylin Chukagian has been a menace. She's not Bilal Muhammad level, but she's been a menace on top of the women's flyweight division for too damn long. And this lady is too damn boring. She sucks. Uh, Menon Furo is, God forbid, an interesting striker. And God forbid, actually threatening to bring something interesting to the flyweight top five. So knowing the fact that uh, 
we can't ever have good things. It's entirely possible that Chukagin uh, edges out a really, really boring three-round decision against her. And then, I don't know, gets matched up with somebody she doesn't deserve to fight and gets lined up even even closer to that second Valentina Shevchenko fight, which we all know is coming and we're all really, really excited for. Aren't we, folks? Aren't we, folks? Okay. On to the, I, I keep saying on to the actually good fights. These are all good fights, but on to the, the fights that obviously the people listening uh, want to know about. They're excited here. So we've got Benil Dariush and Matuj Gamrat. That is going to be a great, great fight. It's at lightweight. Benil Dariush is number three in the lightweight division, and Matuj Gamrat is number six in the lightweight division. So the fight has really, really big title implications. Uh, for Benil, you basically have to assume that if he wins this fight, he's number one contender. He gets a shot at the winner of the main event. Uh, for Gamrot, I think it's possible that he gets a title shot. It's more probable that they're going to match him up with somebody in the top five, top three, a Dustin Poirier, a Michael Chandler, a Justin Gaethje, the loser of the main event, maybe, uh... And if he wins that, he'll get his title shot. But I don't think it's impossible that Gamrot, if he beats Dariush, gets a title shot off of this win. Uh, I really, really fuck with Matush Gamrot. This is going to sound like high, high praise coming from me. But he's just like a really, really complete, really well-blended MMA fighter. Uh, strings together all of the disciplines really, really well. That five-round main event against Armin Sarukian over the summer... Great, great fight. Really, really high-level MMA if you want to run that one back in preparation for the pay-per-view tomorrow. But he, like, honestly, he's in that kind of mold of, like, a Robert Whitaker or a, dare I say it, like, back when he was on steroids, TJ Dillashaw, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, guys like that who are just, like, they string together the striking, the grappling, the wrestling... They're, like, defensively sound on the feet. They're mixing it up. Like, guys who are really dabbling in every aspect of the game and dabbling in it well. Uh, Gamrot's really, really good. Uh, Dariush, also really, really good. Kind of more of, like, a standard, like, wrestle boxer. You know what I mean? Uh, tough, tough dude. Benil Dariush has a chin made of granite. His head is hard as hell. Uh... One of his best highlights is that comeback win against Drakkar Close. Uh, I think this was like two years ago now, but he 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 got basically knocked out. Like he he got like folded almost like one of those old time like two thousand four like UFC knockouts, uh, and he just stayed on his feet, came back and clobbered the guy with a counter and knocked him out instead. Ridiculous. The Drew Dober fight, he was getting punched up. I mean, he held his own in the striking, but he took a lot of big hits in the first round of that fight. Didn't bother him, just kept walking forward. He keeps his hands and, like, obviously he's defensively sound, but he keeps them, like, very low. He's got this, like, interesting feint where, like, he won't really pump the jab, but he'll start just kind of, like, leading out his lead hand at the guy he's fighting. Uh... While his other hand is, like, not really at his chin. It's more at his shoulder. It's really, really interesting. Uh, 
He's a great, great grappler. He wants to wrestle you. He wants to take you down. So I think we're gonna we're in store for some really, really high like I'm even more than the Sarukian fight. I think these guys are gonna clobber each other on the feet, and if it goes to the ground, which I mean Betty Money says it will, uh, it's going to be really, really high level grappling. These guys are gonna be trying to pull chunks out of each other for this title shot. It's gonna be a great, great fight. Uh the next fight on the card. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, the next fight on the card is Pyotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley. So the former, I guess not former, most people would agree, the current boogeyman of the bantamweight division, Pyotr Jan, uh, coming off of a, which once again, everybody apologized to Aljamain Sterling, but coming off of a loss to Aljamain Sterling earlier in the year, a decision loss, uh, he's obviously still number one contender. He's obviously still the man, and... This is really, really interesting logic from him taking this fight because it really is like medium risk, low reward for Jan. Like, he could have really fought anybody, and as long as he got a win, he would basically be lined back up for a title shot again. Maybe he needs to get two wins to get back in line because they fought twice. But it's just so strange because Sean O'Malley is ranked number 14 and like if he beats Jan he's gonna jump he's gonna that's it if he if Sean O'Malley beats Peter Jan he's getting the title shot like even this is like even more of a lock than like a Hamzat thing like he's getting the title shot if he beats O'Malley he's oh man which is I mean people want to underestimate Sean O'Malley because he's silly and he he streams on Twitch and the the rainbow hair or whatever you want to say but he's a great fighter uh, he's a great, great fighter, and this <laughs> this fight is either going to be what everybody thinks it is, or very, very interesting, because people talk too much, I think, about Jan taking the first round off. He can, and he does, but he doesn't always. He can, like, bring it in the first round. I've seen that happen, like... He's not just like he's not just gonna sit in his hands in the corner of the octagon for the whole first round and let the other guy punch him. So if Sean O'Malley starts coming out with like these flashy uh, strikes and is throwing the three eighty degree spin kicks or whatever, you're gonna see Jan throw back in exchange. I think obviously what's more likely to happen is that the first round's probably gonna be a wash because O'Malley's gonna stay on the outside and try to picket Jan, and Jan is just gonna plod forward and keep his hands up and throw like. 20 strikes there's gonna be it's gonna be like choice it's gonna be choice 20 strikes and that is Jan like his best game is just on the ground walking towards you plodding forward blocking your stuff reading your combinations and coming back with great defensive counters he's no slouch on the ground either and O'Malley goes to all those jujitsu tournaments I don't know how good his grappling is in a live fire situation. You know, you know what I mean. If Jan is on top of you and his shoulders in your face and he's trying to pass guard, are you going to be able to throw up that triangle, or are you just going to be like, oh my god? Uh, yeah, this fight's also going to be a really, really good one. I don't even have a take on this. These, I can't. I'll, I'll, I'll have picks for the title fights, okay? But this one. God, God only knows. Crazier things have happened in MMA, all right? Crazier things have happened. The next fight on the card, co-main event, Aljamain Sterling 
the absolute boy apologize, apologize to Aljamain Sterling, give him his respect, is defending his bantamweight title uh, against Juicy Little Rata, Snake in the Grass, TJ Dillashaw. Uh, I try not to editorialize a lot, but I hate TJ Dillashaw. He is so annoying. He's been annoying. His last good win with Jimmy Rivera in like 2016. He, 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 oh, you counterpunched the fucking Corey, Cody Garbrandt, who is just like a dumbass raging bull who wings hooks all the time. Good for you. And I'm not convinced about his win over Corey Sanhagen. I thought it was completely fraudulent. Uh, he could barely take down Corey and not to do MMA mass, but like Aljamain Sterling has much better wrestling and grappling skills than Corey fucking Sandhagen. Uh, he's old. He's washed up. Uh, he took a two-year break between his last fight and the Sandhagen fight and is taking a one-year break, over one-year break between that fight and now. Uh, and you can say that he's in good health, but he's not in good practice. Uh, I think Aljamain is probably just going to take a very easy decision. Or maybe not an easy decision. TJ's going to bring it to him. But I think Aljamain's wrestling is kind of just suited for doing the same thing he did to Jan. Backpacking that man and keeping him on the ground. Just bothering him. Giving him things to worry about. And just, well, I'm punching you in the head. But don't forget about my arm at your chin. Like, stuff like that. So... His offense striking-wise, Aljamain is obviously a little spammy and, like, it's kind of heavily reliant on, like, kicking. But, I mean, TJ Dillashaw is, like, the... He's the cardio guy. He's the pressure guy. He'll come forward. But, I, I mean, I don't know. That's also puts you, once again, at risk if you're constantly coming forward and getting hit by a reactive takedown. So, I think Aljamain is going to win this. I think it's going to be a great, great fight, though. But Aljamain's gonna take out the trash. Take out the trash. Send the cheater packing. And that just brings us to the main event. Charles Oliveira versus the absolute boy. Or no, sorry. The absolute boy, Charles Oliveira. Versus a guy, he's just alright, Islam Makachev. Uh, this is a fight for the vacant lightweight title. We talked about it before our big break back in May. Uh... We actually might have not talked about it. I don't know when uh, the episode came out. But Charles Oliveira, before his fight against Justin Gaethje back in May, he lost his title on the scales. Came in half a pound over the lightweight title limit. Couldn't cut it. Had to drop the title. So he was ineligible to win against Oliveira, or uh, against Gaethje, even though he beat his ass. And now, this is the fight where the uncrowned lightweight champion can officially get the title back. But I tend to agree, uh... The champ does have a name, and it is Charles Oliveira. Oliveira has had an incredible, incredible, like, three years uh, in the UFC. But his entire career is, like, pretty sterling. He was picking up, kind of, he was kind of going and picking up wins and picking up losses more consistently in the featherweight division. But once he moved up to lightweight and got the hands going, oh my god, he's so durable too. In every single one of these last three title fights, he's gotten knocked down, gotten back up, and gotten the win. Uh, he's so, so active at every place in the grappling. And that is like, his striking is so good, but his striking is so good because it's a trap. It's like, it's a, it's, a, it's a trick. It's a distraction. Because, like, he's punching you, but what he's trying to do is grab you. 
He just wants to hold on to you. He just wants to clinch. He just wants to grab your neck. He just wants to go for the takedown. But that's just, just like, you're worried about the body kick and he's coming in with the hands, but then he's going to knee you in the head, dude. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you combat that? Islam Makachev, really, really good. Obviously, Habib's number one protege, but he's not Habib. And his resume is a little suspect. I mean, ratings, manipulations, Thiago Moises coming in at number 14 all of a sudden. Uh, a lot of this stuff, I mean, his best win being Bobby Green. It's not his fault that Darius couldn't make the fight. But uh, I think his best win is Armand Sarukian. But he doesn't have the same resume that Oliveira does. And he's definitely got the talent and he's definitely got the skills. But it's sink or swim. And you've never really seen Islam Makachev be challenged on the feet. I'm going to sound like an idiot if I come back to you next week and he knocked out Oliveira or something. But you've never really seen somebody take the striking to him. You've never really seen him get rocked. You've never really seen him react to getting rocked. You've never really seen him in like adversity situations like that. Whereas Oliveira, that happens all the time. And he just shrugs it off and takes a beating and keeps on going. Obviously, my money and my enthusiastic support is on Charles, Charles Oliveira. Pretty incredible that two of the podcast's top boys are fighting uh, this weekend. But I think Oliveira, Islam's going to make it really, really difficult. That the on the when it goes to the ground, it's it's really going to be like you're going to need to like avert your eyes. It's going to be like like holy things are going to be happening. They're going to be like pulling out tricks that they're going to be doing moves that the commentary don't even know what the names are. Like. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be an incredible, incredible fight. I am just not sure if Islam Makachev has what it takes to stand up to the very complete offense of Charles Oliveira. I'm dropping this late, as always. The fight is tomorrow. But hopefully you guys all have a fun time watching. That's me for today. Bye bye